We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, this is Luka Doncic. Can he get it away in time on the step back? He does! He hits! He hits! And the Mavericks have won the game! Luka Doncic with a 30-footer to win it at the horn! And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. Alright guys, welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host Dalton Trigg. I'm joined as always by my co-host and DallasBasketball.com colleague Matt Glatson. Uh, you can follow both of our Mavs content, and then, you know, Mavs, uh, Matt, he has a lot of other different uh, sports content on his page, too, mostly college football, but you can find both of us on Twitter, at Dalton underscore Trigg, and at Matt underscore Galatson. Uh, you can follow our pod account, too, at Step Back Mavs, if you just want specific podcast content and not just, you know, Mavs overall. And then be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you guys listen on Apple Podcasts, we're still doing that thing where if you leave a review with your Twitter ad or some sort of social media uh, link on there to where we can contact you, you're automatically entered for a chance to win one of our Step Back t-shirts. They're pretty cool. Posted that to the Step Back Mavs Twitter account this morning. Uh, And then lastly, you know, even if you don't win a t-shirt – we give out a couple of those a week, but even if you don't win one of those, there's a sale going on on our T Public site from now through the 31st. Uh, they're they're normally like twenty dollars. I think they're like thirteen up until the 31st. So, all right, got all that out of the way. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing all right. Um, you know, nice to see the Mavs on a little winning streak. Uh, yeah, you know, when when you start out. Uh, the way they did against the Hawks <laughs> on opening night and get blown out by 26. It's kind of a, it's really a deflating way to start out the season, but you know, they turn around and they beat, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's two bad teams, but you know, they beat two teams that they're supposed to beat. Uh, given they struggled in these last two games, especially at the beginning, uh, just takes them a little bit to get going. But once they do get it going, you know, it, it's, it, it's very apparent that they have more, uh, there's more of a talent gap between the Mavs and the Raptors and the Rockets. And, you know, that, that played out exactly how we thought it would play out. So there's some stuff they need to figure out. Uh, the offense seems to be looking better and better with each passing game. Uh, there's still a lot of stuff that, that needs to be done. I'm still, uh, you know, on my 
horse about, you know, Dwight Powell does not need to be starting. Uh, they're going to continue to start him, you know, especially if they keep winning. But uh, I think these these slow starts are going to start to catch up to them more when they start playing better teams. You know, you can get off to a rough start against Toronto or Houston, and when you have Luke on your team, and, I mean, you're going to end up winning regardless more times than not just because of the talent gap. So that's where I'm at. Uh, I think that change needs to be made at some point especially if they keep getting off to slow starts. This is the third straight game. They've done that. I guess technically they got off to a better start in the in the season opener, but, you know, the more Dwight Powell played throughout that game, the the more, you know, a bigger hole they got into throughout it. So that's my biggest gripe of the season. But overall, I'm happy. You know, 2-1 and one feels a whole lot better than 0-1. Oh uh, now they play the San Antonio Spurs on Thursday night. That game against Houston last night specifically, Matt, it it was one of those games where, and I mean, we've seen this time and time again from Luca, but, you know, I I wasn't keeping up with his stat line specifically throughout the game. I was more interested in keeping up with Jalen Brunson's assist totals. (laughs) He had a career high tying 11 assists in that one. And again, some of his passes have just been incredible. It's not just like these easy handoffs or whatever. You know, he's actually – He's actually getting in there and throwing like threading the needle (laughs) to guys. It's been great to watch, but I wasn't keeping up with Lucas stat line. And just overall, it felt like he had another rough night and he did shooting wise, you know, 10 of 25 from the field. But then I look at the stat line and I'm just like, oh man, 26 points, 14 rebounds, seven assists. Okay. He's Luca. (laughs) It's, it's one of those things where, uh, take advantage of it sometimes or take it for granted. I guess I should say, and uh, it's really cool that, you know, it can feel like he's having a really off night, and then he's still putting up big numbers and, you know, helping the Mavs pull out a win. So, uh, overall, I'm happy with the win. I'm glad that uh, that Jason Kidd, uh, well, according to the council that requested it, which is Luca and KP and Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, but Kidd played all 15 players last night. We got a glimpse of Moses Brown who had some flashes, really liked what I saw out of him. Uh, you know, everybody got to play. Frank Nielakina, he was awesome, in my opinion. He had some really nice moves, some nice passes, uh, and he always plays good defense. I, I mean, overall, I was just very happy with how that game turned out. It was a game they were supposed to win, and they did win, and everybody got to play, and we got to see a glimpse, you know, of, of, what, of what some rotation mix-ups could be in the future. So, uh, what's your initial impressions of, of that game last night? Well, I have a few observations. Uh, one being I'm convinced that the Mavs are going to start every season for the rest of their franchise history 0-1. Um, <laughs> they just have a hard time with those openers. It's it's getting to be kind of uh, a trend, so that kind of sucks. But they also have a trend of starting to bounce back, um, you know, I, I also am not a fan of these slow starts. Um, eventually, like you said, that's going to come back to bite them in the butt. Um, you know, the Rockets are the Rockets, and the Raptors are better than the Rockets, but, you know, they're not not much better. And it these are the kinds of things that, are, that can get you in trouble um, in terms of your playoff standing later down the road. It just so happens that you can't recover from it that particular night then, you know, maybe that's a game that keeps you from this. I'm, I'm, I'm a very big stickler on this whole, 
it's one of out of 82 games because I, even though there's 82 games, I still think every game matters because it can be like, you know, the last couple of years where they're, you know, half a game or a game from a different seating one way or the other. And that means they have to play the Clippers or the Lakers instead of, you know, the Grizzlies or whatever the case may be. Um, so I'd like for them to find a way to figure that out. You know, other, I, I, I'm obviously on the same train as you as Dwight Powell shouldn't be starting. I think we've both been on that train for, um, the better part of three years now, it seems like, <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I mean, and I mean, look, just, just, and I mean, again, this is my eternal optimist side coming out of it, but really it's just facts too. But I mean, you, you look at how three of the main Mavs shooters or three point shooters, you know, you look at KP, you look at Luca, you look at Dorian Finney Smith, that's the main three that I, I focused in on last night. But, you know, KP is shooting like, what, 20% from three. I think Dorian is like at 18 through these three games. Luca, he's not that much better. He's at like uh, a little over 20, I think. Uh, so, you know, they're not shooting the ball well, but they're two and one. And I feel like, they just kind of got down on themselves in that first game, and that ended up being more of a more of a route than what it should have been, uh, just because they kind of you know quit, so to speak. I, I mean, maybe that's a strong way to phrase it, but I, I really do think they just kind of like really got down on themselves, and that Hawks final margin ended up being more than what it should have been. Well, they rolled yeah. over, um, <laughs> and that's you know when you've got eighty one other games in front of you, and you're down twenty, you know, fifteen twenty points that's going to happen. If, if, if it slips away from you, it slips away from you and there's not much more you can do about it, but you know, they, they've recovered since then. They've won two in a row. Um, I'd like to see Reggie Bullock getting some more minutes, but you know, if, as long as they win, they win. Yeah. Well, I've said it before. My ideal, my ideal starting lineup is Luca, Tim Hardaway, Jr. Reggie Bullock at the three slide door and Finney Smith over to the small ball four and then you have KP at the five, especially with how KP has been playing defense so far this year. It was it was really unfortunate that he had to you know go out with the back tightness thing. I don't we don't know how big of an issue that is, you know, if it'll affect him playing Thursday or what the case may be. But uh, I, I've been really encouraged by how he's play how he's moved on the defensive end. He's playing hard, and he's not shooting the ball well at all right now. It, it's awful. <laughs> his shooting percentage but he's getting good looks so uh i mean he's gonna eventually improve uh with his shooting percentage now it may not be like a he may not be hitting at an elite clip or anything like that but he's definitely going to end up shooting better than what he is right now and i'm just i'm encouraged by how he's playing on the defensive end plus you know the looks that are being generated for him you know he's getting really good shots they're just not falling so all that stuff comes in time. I, I think that, um, you know, it's, especially in the case of Luca and KP specifically, I think the shots are going to start to fall. It's only a matter of time until that happens. The, the thing that – the most unfortunate thing about the KP injury to me, or quote-unquote injury, whatever you want to call back tightness, is that it, it sent Matt's Twitter into a tailspin. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, no, here we go again. I mean – <laughs> you know, always the, the thing about it is he's a big guy. He he carries around a lot of weight. He's a, he has a big frame. It, it puts a lot of stress on his body. Occasionally, he's going to have a little pain here and there. And if they want to be cautious about it, given his history, that's fine. 
Look, as many times as KP has been going up and trying to posterize people so far this season, I'm not shocked at all that he ended up with some back tightness. <laughs> no, I, I'm so happy with the way he's playing just based on the effort. You know, that, that was something that we didn't always see last year because you could tell he was so frustrated. And the fact that he's playing this hard, I think, is a good sign. It means that positive things are coming. The, the things that derail a player's season – are not, you know, oh, man, I'm just not shooting it well, but I'm still trying hard. It's when you're like, okay, no, screw this place. I want to go somewhere else. I'm just not going to tell anybody about it. You can you can see it in their body language. And that's not – that was KP last year. That's not KP this year. He's playing hard. He's playing – he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. The shots just aren't hitting the bottom of the net, and I think that's going to change. Yeah, and I mean, just from a coaching standpoint too, like – I know given the the criticism of Jason Kidd over the offseason and when the hire happened and, you know, even going into the season after they had a, a, a promising preseason, everybody's like, oh, preseason doesn't matter and this and that. And then after what happened on opening night, you know, the floodgates really opened uh, on Jason Kidd. And uh, it's like, oh, well, they're just going to get beat by 20 plus every night. What are we doing here? But, you know, it, it was an opening night overreaction. I said it when it happened, like they, they got good shots in that Atlanta game. They just didn't fall. They shot 33% from the field. And I was just like, I just really don't think this is going <laughs> to continue to be uh, that poor of a shooting problem for them going forward. And sure enough, in the second game, uh, they ended up shooting like 41%, I believe. So that was a big step up from the 33%. And then last night they shot around 46, 47% from the field as a team. So, uh, and that's despite, you know, the the three-point struggles from from Luca, KP, and Dorian. So, I mean, I, I'm really encouraged by it. I, I, I think they're fine. Uh, this is tracking right now uh, along with what I thought the team would do in the – the regular season, which I said it from the beginning, I don't think that they're going to have any issues racking up wins in the regular season. But when we get to the postseason, you know, can Jalen Brunson continue to dish out assists like he's done so far? Or, you know, is he going to crumble if he, if they play a team that's built like the Clippers were last year, you know, bigger, longer defenders, is he going to crumble again? So, that's the thing, you know, how are the Mavs going to look at their roster now and improve it to make it more playoff proof between now and the end of the season? Because just with the regular season itself, I'm not worried about it. I still think they'll end up being in the top half of the West before it's said and done. But Well, everybody that listens to this knows I'm not the most optimistic person in the world. I don't think that's a secret. Um, but – the fact is they're two and one when they very well could be zero and three given the way they've started the last the you know all three games, and I think that's a concern in and of in and of itself. You need to be able to start faster. You know we already kind of touched on it, but you're going to play better teams than the Rockets and the Raptors, and you're going to be playing more teams like the Hawks coming up. And what happens when you do that against a team like the Hawks is they come out and they beat your brains in, and. You know, they, they don't let you recover from something like that. Kind of the challenge that they face going forward. And it's, you know, it's something that I, I think that if they did make a couple of changes to the starting lineup, then, or one singular change, whether that's starting Reggie Bullock or 
starting somebody else besides Dwight Powell, who who kind of changes the changes the dynamics of the of the offense and the way the ball moves around and the spacing and all that stuff. If they don't if they don't do something like that, then they're going to keep having these problems and these slow starts because you know obviously they're coming out slow. So whether or not they think Dwight Powell is the reason they're coming out slow, you know, probably not because they think he walks on water, but they have to, they're going to have to figure something out. And if they don't, then, you know, they're going to lose a bunch of games that they're not supposed to lose. Like they have in the past, like when they lost two games to the Knicks in one season, you got swept by the Knicks because you were sloppy and you can't be sloppy in the West. Well, and just kind of veering off on the Reggie Bullock point, uh, he only played 17 minutes last night, but he was 6 of 11 from field, hit four of his nine threes for 16 points in those 17 minutes. Uh, he, he only had four rebounds, but what I liked about those is they were kind of like rebounds where you thought the Rockets were going to end up getting a, an offensive rebound, and he's tall enough and long enough to where – he was just able to reach up and kind of like wrestle it away from the guy and kept the Rockets from getting that offensive board. So I really enjoyed seeing that from Reggie Bullock. Um, I would like to see him play more minutes, whether he starts or not. I would prefer him starting just because I'd like to see his minutes match up more with Luca. Uh, but, you know, I realize I'm kind of screaming into the void with this at this point. <laughs> Yeah, you kind of are, but also I, I think there's something to be said for the fact that Bullock is not used to playing with this roster, so maybe kids just trying to ease him into things, which I would understand. Um, but yeah. you can't also you can't sit here and wait too much longer to to get him more involved because, I mean, that's a forty percent three point shooter that started on an Eastern Conference playoff team last year. Well, and. I- and, I mean, look, I, there's a lot of people saying, well, you know, Reggie Bullock, he's a seasoned vet. You know, look what he did with the Knicks last year. Like, why why, why is Jason Kidd having to, you know, slowly break him into this right now? And we forget that Bullock didn't play most of the preseason. You know, he, he was out most of the preseason uh, dealing with a personal matter. Uh, I think it was a death in the family. So, you know, he, he wasn't around for most of the preseason, and maybe he really is just working his way uh, back into things, which is fine. I mean, uh, so far, that's how it's tracking because he wasn't that that great in the first two games. But then, you know, in this last one, he looked really comfortable and, you know, was hitting a bunch of shots, coming off of screens really well. And, you know, it kind of that, – that's the Reggie Bullock we expect to see for the majority of this season. Well – here, here's here's kind of a, 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 some statistics, some very basic statistics to kind of back up what we're saying here. 15 minutes in the first game, he shot four shots. 17 minutes in the second game, he shot three shots. 17 minutes in the third game, but he shot 11 shots. <laughs> four of nine right. for three, 16 points. I think it's just sort of tracking that direction where he's going to start getting more minutes and kids just taking it slowly. And I think that's... And I really like what... And I really like what our guy, uh, Grant Afseth, uh, he's our colleague at DallasBasketball.com. I think he's got some stuff he's about to put out in, in article form on the site. Uh, but he, he tweeted out some videos last night of how uh, Igor Kokoskov, he, he basically put out some plays where you can see, you know, he's he definitely has his hands 
uh, on that offense a little bit, which is good to see. I mean, I, I'm glad that uh kid is going to utilize that coaching staff because he's got a lot, you know, so say what you will about Jason Kidd. I thought he did a fantastic job putting his coaching staff together. And, you know, if they, if they're all involved and in, in helping him, uh, you know, I, I think that's going to be a good thing for the rest of the season. Now there's some stuff that, I don't necessarily agree with like, you know, letting the players choose who's going to start at center, but you know, <laughs> we need to have a conversation about this council thing too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to an extent that stuff is great. You know, the, uh, it, it helps with team morale and chemistry and all that. But you know, if, uh, if they continue to get off the slow starts, then it's like, you know, uh, I mean, you, you want to listen to the player's input, but at some point it's like, okay, we need to we need to shake something up a little bit. Are we talking uh, about this right now? Yeah, we can jump into it. I mean, look, it, this isn't like a I, – I guess most people just didn't didn't hear it the other day on uh, Mark Followill's podcast, but there is like a leadership trust council, whatever you want to want to call it, with the Mavs that consists of Luca. KP and Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, there that's the three that basically suggested or requested to Jason Kidd that, you know, Dwight Powell starts. And uh, then they were the ones that apparently suggested that all 15 players end up playing in the in the home opener last night. So well, okay, here's my thing. I think the whole idea of forming a leadership council is kind of hilarious. Because if you're a a properly led team you know who your leaders are you don't have to be like okay these three guys they're our leaders and they're going to speak up for us no they should be doing that anyway so it's it's it, it kind of to me and maybe i'm just being pessimistic mad or you know whatever you want to call me but to me it just kind of seems like a like a middle school election or something and it, it's say- like it doesn't make sense to me why you have to point out these three guys are the guys that we're going to go to, to talk to our coach when they should be the guys doing it anyway. Like why do they have to have like a leadership position within the locker room? Well, I mean, different, different, different people have different things that make them tick. I mean, you, you can't, you can't take, you can't just say like, well, they should be doing it anyway. And you know, if it's not happening, then you're just kind of twiddling your thumbs a little bit. So, I mean, different stuff works for different sets of players. And maybe that's just something that works well for these guys to have that, you know, structure laid out for them. And, you know, as, as silly as you might think it is, I mean, that just could be a thing that works for everybody. Uh, you know, there's no questioning, you know, who's the leader on the team, even if Luca isn't as vocal as what he probably should be. Uh, there's, there's no questions about, uh, you know, who's calling the shots when it comes to coaching and lineups and all that, you know, all that crap that got brought up over the off season between Donnie Nelson and Bob Volgaris. You know, I, I think they're just kind of – I don't want to say they're overcorrecting because right now I think it's a good thing. I think it's, you know, helped the overall mood and vibe of the team. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's – I would rather have it that way than what they came from uh, before they blew everything up in the off season. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. It, like, but the thing is like last year we were talking, maybe it was the year before, but you know, in recent months, I feel like we've talked about how good the maps culture was. And it wasn't until this stuff with Bob got brought up 
you know, starting with the Cato piece and, and, and going forward and everything that unraveled into, why all of a sudden do they need that? Like, if if the culture was so good back then, then why why would they need that now? And apparently it wasn't that good back then. But I just, I feel like there's better ways. If it works for, whatever, whatever, it is, whatever they want to do is fine. Different strokes for different folks, whatever. But for me, that just seems like sort of a, hey, look at how good we are as a team that we voted to have all 15 play. It just seems kind of like... You want to know my you want to know my con- conspiracy theory on this, Matt? Yes, I always want to know Dalton conspiracy theories. Uh, my cons- conspiracy theory on this is that for so long now, and like I said, Luca he hasn't been very vocal. Uh, I mean, he's more vocal this year than he was in years past. But up until this point, Dwight Powell has pretty much been seen as the leader of the team. You know, he's the most tenured Maverick on the roster. Uh, he's just viewed as the leader. So my conspiracy here is that they have formed this group to identify the three actual leaders of the team, making it to where they can actually part ways with Dwight Powell at some point. And maybe (laughs) – I mean, I love where your head's at, but I just, you know – Dwight Powell is basically Mark Cuban's pet cat at this point, it seems like. So I I have no hope, but I, I really hope you're right. I mean, look, I don't mind, and I, I want to. I don't want people to say I'm being mean to mean to Dwight Powell because I like the guy overall. I just don't think he should be starting. I don't think that should be an indictment of anything, or you know, I don't think that should be meant as any disrespect towards Powell. I just, I think it. I think we have enough. I think we have enough after his Achilles injury to be like, you know, he just doesn't need to be starting. I think they work better with KP at the five, especially when he's healthy and moving around like how he's been in these first three games. So, and I mean, we have a lot of data in the past of, of Powell working really well with Maxi off the bench too. So I don't know why they wouldn't want to at least try that. You know, there was a, there was a point, And I mean, again, it was before the Achilles injury too, but there was a point before that happened where Powell and Maxi Kleba were part of one of the best bench units in the league at a certain, you know, for the, for the first half of uh, one of the, I forgot what season it was, but for the first half of one of those seasons, they were one of the best bench units in the league. So I don't understand why that would be such a controversial thing or a disrespectful thing, you know, to just ask him to come off the bench, especially if you keep getting off the slow starts, I think that's, I think that's going to end up catching up to them when they play better teams and, They've got to fix it. I mean, a lot of that would be fixed with Luca and KP and Dorian shooting better. But until that happens, you know, you might have to shake it up a little bit to where, you know, you just have another jolt, something that gets them off to better starts. But anyway. Well, 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 real quick, I think that, and this is sort of to hammer home your point, our, our point about this whole thing. If Dwight Powell really is that much of a leader, he would say, I want to come off the bench. That's what a real real leader does. If he knows that he's not the best thing for the starting lineup, he says, he at least approaches the coach and says, hey, coach, I think I would be better utilized in a reserve rotation role doing this, this, and this than I would be starting next to KP or whatever, you know, wherever. Matt, Matt, if I'm an NBA player and I'm like Dwight Powell and I've worked my butt off to come back from that Achilles injury and in my head 
I'm back to what I was beforehand and I've put in all this work. I don't care if I'm perceived as the leader of the team or not. I don't know if I'm going to the coach and saying, Hey man, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I should start anymore. You know, but especially. That's, <laughs> but that's what a leader would do. So maybe he's uh, not the leader of the team anymore. Look at what Dirk know, used to I, do. I Dirk, used to, Hey, I know I'm not the player I used to be. I'll take a $15 million pay cut just so I can stick around and help out. Yeah, but that's rare. I mean, we, but that, I know flip side of that. <laughs> I know it's rare, but we're also talking about a superstar player and, you know, it's kind of a weird, someone a weird who deserves even more money. My point is he, I, I, my, my point is I do not think Ethan, that Dwight Ethan Powell. The, hold on, Matt. I got to say, Ethan in the chat just said Powell should demand a trade. <laughs> He should demand a trade. My point is, I do not think Dwight Powell is the leader of this team anymore, and he should stop being treated as though he is by the fan base. They, they, they still think he's – a lot of people still think he's some mystical part of the team dynamic, and I just don't think that's the case anymore. I just – and I don't think he needs to be a part of the team anymore for them to be successful. Well, I think if they moved on from him, they would be a better team because of it. Well, I mean, I, I I agree with that too, or at least significantly reduce his role in minutes because, I mean, I saw enough out of Moses Brown in just a small spurt last night, and maybe Moses Brown can't keep that up for a full season. But you know what? I would love to find out. I would love to find out, especially with his age and him being on such a team-friendly contract. You know, even Steven Silas before in the, the, the pregame – press conference he told uh brad townsend that it was kind of weird that the mavs haven't really changed anything with their starting lineup in like three years <laughs> since he was there so even steven silas two different head coaches one starting lineup that's absurd we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we have talked forever. I'm going to start bringing up a couple guests if if y'all do want to speak. I know we got uh, Grayson Moore who's been wasting patently. Oh, wow, I just had like a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we have Grayson Moore who has been patiently waiting rather. <laughs> Grayson, what's up, man? What's up, guys? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Sound great. Awesome, yeah. Um so I wanted to talk about Maxi actually, Maxi and Reggie specifically, because Maxi had a really good night last night. He shot really efficiently. And um I don't know, Maxi gets a lot of a lot of flack from Mavs Twitter. I just wanted to highlight that. Um because it's weird that no one's talking about it. And then while we're on the topic of Reggie, um, he was also their second most efficient scorer last night. Combined, they shot seven of 13 from three, which is pretty good. I'm busy. <laughs> Sorry, my roommate just walked in. Um, who are we talking about? Reggie. Oh, Maxie Maxi and Reggie. Yeah. So they were really efficient last night. They shot 17 of 13 from three. Um, I really like the defense, especially that Reggie brought, just very active. Um, there was a lot of energy there that I like to see. You guys were talking about Dwight. Someone joked that he should demand a trade. A player the Mavs should actually trade is Josh Green. I mean, I'm not seeing anything from Josh Green. If the if the uh, the Raptors want Josh Green in a second rounder for for uh, Goran, just go ahead and do it. Like, that's fine. In, in the off season, I was a little hesitant about that. But, I mean, I just haven't seen anything from Josh Green besides, like, playing hard. Um, but playing hard only gets you so far. Um, also, as far as shooting goes, uh, Luca and KP shooting did definitely concern me. Um, I think we'll get some positive regression there for sure, especially with Luca. Um I didn't love a lot of the shots that KP was taking, you know, the closer to the basket, the better, obviously, but he just has this tendency to do too much dribbling and then take a weird, like fade away uh, from like 17 feet. And, you know, he'll make those occasionally. um, But I don't, I don't love that shot for him. I would love to see him running the pick and roll more, which I don't think is something that he seems to be very comfortable with. I don't think he knows how to set a screen in the first place, to be completely honest with you. But uh, I'd love to see more of that. Overall, we've shot about 30% from three the first three games. I I don't think it'll stay that way. I don't think that's an area of concern. Like I said before, I think positive aggression is coming in that area. Um, but like y'all said, I mean, it's a tiny sample size. And we've played one good team. They blew us out. We've played two teams and we beat them by 10. So, um, you know, I'm not thinking that we're going to make the finals right now, but I do have some confidence in this team. The last thing I'll say is um, the last thing that y'all talked about, actually, um, Stephen Silas saying that it's insane that 
they have the same starting lineup um, through three coaches. And I totally agree. I mean, it's, it is it is the definition of insanity, actually. It's just doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. We all know that. Um, and that's fine if they want to keep starting Dwight. Um, I think Luca likes playing with Dwight a lot. I will say about Dwight that if he's in the game and he's not rimrolling, like, I don't know why he's in the game because he's not contributing on defense. He can't shoot. Last night he took a three. And Porzingis' face when he took the three, it was in the first quarter. Still, Porzingis just had this look like, oh, my. I can guarantee you I had the same look because anytime I hear anyone on the Mavs broadcast say, Luca dishes it out to Dwight Powell for three, my heart immediately just drops. Like, I just, I'm just thinking, well, there's another wasted attempt at an, at an assist. <laughs> Unless it's in I mean, preseason. I think the thought that entered my mind was, is this the Jason Kidd offense? Um, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it will be. And Grayson, that's great stuff there. I I don't know if I'll be able to touch on every single point you made, but I do want to touch on a few here. Uh, I do think we need to give Maxie some, some praise for how he played last night. That's, that's what they need from him. Limited minutes, you know, very efficient, Three of five, he was hitting his threes, uh, moving well in defense. I mean, that's what they need from Maxi on a nightly basis. And, I mean, I know he can't – he's not going to shoot that well every night, but, I mean, he looked more like the pre-COVID Maxi in last night's game. And that's what they need in the playoffs too because aside from two games in that last – postseason series the seven game series against the Clippers he had like two games where he was really good and aside from that he just disappeared you know just just gone and he he was a non-factor offensively the previous year against the Clippers in the playoffs too now that was you know a lot of that might have to do with him having to guard Kawhi Leonard the entire time and it taking away from what he can do on offense but there there was just a lot of open shots that he wasn't able to hit so it, it was great to see Maxi, um you know have a good game and hopefully that continues going forward um and I do think I, I'm not concerned with with Luca or or KP's shooting I think like like you said positive regression uh, I think that will happen as the season goes goes along and as that does start to happen I think the Mavs will start winning you know, a handful of games a lot easier than what these last two have been. Uh, because, you know, as as much as we want all this to to happen overnight and as much as we, as people have made fun of, you know, the Jason Kidd instant oatmeal comment and all that, I mean, I, I get what he's saying overall. Like, it's a new coaching staff. They're implementing a new system. They have two new players who are – or well, they have more than two new players, but – their two main off-season acquisitions, they got to get them acclimated to it. Uh, they've got to get, you know, more comfortable with their uh, with their teammates, and you have to build chemistry. I mean, there's just a lot of moving parts to it. So I get what he's saying. You know, you got you got to continue to build this. So, but overall, based on what we saw on opening night, I'm really happy with where the Mavs are at right now at two and one, and. Uh, there was another point I was going to touch. Oh, yeah. So Grayson, Grayson mentioned um, being willing to part with Josh Green at this point. And, Matt, you know me. 
I'm a big fan of Josh Green. I'm a big fan of his potential. But I'm also getting to the point where, you know, I, I would be okay with parting with him, especially since, you know, they made some, some of the fringe signings this offseason, like Frank Nilakina. He's only 23 years old. And I feel like there's more potential there, even though he's like two, three years older than Josh Green. I feel like there's more potential there uh, than, you know, on both ends than what we could see from Josh Green here, at least in the immediate future. So I don't know how the money works. I know they couldn't just trade Josh Green straight up. But, like, if you could pair Josh Green and Powell and the money works, again, I'd have to look at it and see. I'd be okay with it at this point. I was reluctant to it over the offseason, but, you know, given on what the given what the Mavs have on the roster right now uh, and from what we've seen so far, I'd be I'd be okay with, with letting him go, even though it's only three games into his second season as a Mav. I, I, I think that if you, could, if you can find a way to, to move Josh Green for something that can give you production right now, that would be preferable because they need production right now. They don't need – to waste their time on a guy who's, you know, at best going to turn into, you know, a, a marginal role player at this point. Um, they just don't have time for it. He, he might turn into be a Dorian Finney-Smith in a few years. You know, maybe that's maybe that's possible. I'm not saying it's not. He's obviously a talented and athletic person. But for the Mavs timeline right now, they need someone who can produce right now. And that's not Josh Green. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I, I like the guy. You know, from a physical standpoint, what he's what he has the capabilities of doing, uh, especially if he can figure out his shot. But that's the thing; you just don't know when that's going to happen. And you want to maximize what the Mavs have going for him right now. Uh, it's not something you want to have to wait for two or three years down the road. So. Uh, I'm definitely more open to uh, to Josh Green trade ideas. Now, if they don't and he does end up developing and, you know, ends up becoming a big part of the rotation, that would be awesome. I'm still for that too. I'm not just out here like I'm not going to start a, <laughs> a trade Josh Green campaign or anything. I'm just saying I'm I'm much more open to the idea now than I was, you know, four or five months ago. So, all right, we got a couple more speakers here. I'm gonna bring up Zach Smith. He was next in line. Zach, what's up, man? What's up, guys? A couple things I wanted to touch on. First, um, the game last night just kind of speaks of who Luca is, how well he understands the game, and the the refing of it. Houston's got a lot of young, talented raw players, and it was kind of funny just to see the learning experience for those guys trying to go in and guard Luca and the foul, how frustrated they were by the fouls. I think that that's uh, a, a great strength Luca has, and it really kind of slows down the game if the other team has some momentum or whatever. He can get them in a little bit of foul trouble, and then they reconsider, hey, how the hell do I, fa- do I guard this guy? So that was the one thing. And the other thing is about, I think there was some chatter about <clears throat> Goran Dragic, and I don't know, I'm not a – this, and this is an issue with me for fantasy football as well. I don't really like to trade players that much, especially when I think they have potential that has yet to be realized. Um, 
let's say we traded Goran Dragic and we offload whoever it is. Maybe we keep Jalen Brunson. Hopefully we do. But, he, I mean, Goran Dragic is 35 years old. And beyond the money not necessarily making sense for us, that's going to really play in or eat into Jalen Brunson's playing time and probably his development as well. So those are two points I had to make. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, uh, I don't. Come at me, come at I me, do. Matt. Come I, I at think... me. I'm not going to come at you. I just I, – I think that um, people sort of sort of forget – what Jalen Brunson has done over the last couple of seasons. I mean, he's, he plays and he's played as a two and uh, next to another point guard and he's done perfectly fine. And Goron has done the same thing. If anything, they could play in the backcourt together and it would be, it would be fantastic. Um, I, I don't think that it, it, I would, I don't think that it would short Brunson's development at all. I think Brunson, is what Brunson is at this point. And he's not, I don't think he's going to get much better. I don't think he's going to get much worse. He's a solid backup for him starting NBA point guard. And I think that's fine. And I, I think that Goron would be, you know, just another weapon you could put on this offense that could play next to either Luca or Brunson. Look, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree and say that, that Brunson and Dragic couldn't coexist. I, I do. I agree with you on that point, but to say that, that Jalen Brunson just is what he is, you know, I, I'm going to have to agree, disagree with that because, you know, he's kid so far. There's been more instances, at least through these first three games, where he's letting Brunson completely run the second unit. Now, he is playing with Luca a little bit every now and then, but he's getting a chance to run the second unit completely by himself, too. And, you know, I, I think we're seeing flashes of how he can improve as a secondary playmaker this season from what he's been in the past, especially last night, you know, uh, see a career high tying 11 assists to go with 11 points. Uh, And like I said before, it's not just like these easy passes where the guy ends up taking three or four steps and they still count it as an assist. Like, no, he's actually threading the needle to dudes. And it's really fun to see, uh, I do still think the Mavs need to add a piece like Dragic. Like uh, like Zach said, though, the money thing is where it, it comes into play because, I mean, yeah, you can make the money work if you have Dwight Powell included in a deal, but, I mean, who's to say that Toronto wants Dwight Powell? And I know, you know, we've harped on the leadership thing and all that, but, I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, why would why would Toronto want to make that trade? especially with Powell still having another year on his contract after this year. I, it doesn't – it just doesn't really make much sense from there. And so from that perspective, I understand why the Mavs are willing to wait on a potential buyout. And so far, that seems to be trending in the right direction for them because the Raptors continue to lose games. Uh, as someone in the chat mentioned earlier, Goran Dragic isn't really playing a lot for them right now. So I'm sure – you know, given the comments he made in the offseason about wanting to join a contender and he had higher aspirations and all that kind of stuff, I think that'll eventually build up to a point where uh, maybe they do end up agreeing to a buyout. So I'm, I'm willing to, to wait and see. But like I said, I agree with you that they can coexist. Uh, I don't agree with the Brunson ceiling being capped out, though. I think he can still, you know, get 
I, yeah, my, I don't think his ceiling is capped out. What I mean by he is what he is, is he is your backup point guard. He is a fringe starting caliber point guard. And that is what he's going to be as long as he's in Dallas. He's not going to be, he's not all of a sudden going to turn into a starter and make an all-star team and do all those different things over the next year or two. He, in, in your franchise, on your team, he, his role is his role. And yeah, it may expand a little bit here and there, and he's going to do some things better than he did last year. And he's going to continue to get better as a player, but he's not going to be, he's not going to turn into some heavily desired prospect or some, you know, you know, super valuable trade asset or anything like that. He's, he is what he is for you. That's what I mean. Well, he's also in a contract here too. So, I mean, he, if you just look at his raw stats, he's improved and it may be incremental, but you know, he has improved every single season going back to his rookie year. And I expect him to continue to do that this year, maybe even more than what he has in previous years just because he is in a contract year and hasn't signed an extension. So it's in Brunson's best interest to just completely ball out this season. And then, you know, like Ethan just said in our chat down down at the bottom, Brunson will get a bag. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he, he plays like he did against Houston. Uh, he's definitely going to get paid this offseason, whether it's by the Mavs or whoever else because he's actually an unrestricted free agent. And then – uh, one of the other points that Zach made that I wanted to touch on was it was really fun watching Luca just completely, you know, manhandle the Rockets' young guys. It was so fun. You know, Jalen Green, he's a stud. He went off against uh, Boston in Houston's last game, and he's going to be really, really good for many years to come, especially when he gets some more muscle on him. But I mean, as good as he is and as good of a young prospect as he is, it was so funny trying, you know, watching Jalen Green try to guard Luca in the post. <laughs> yeah, it was funny when Luca was a rookie trying to watch people guard him. And now you, you watch, he's, you know, four years or whatever into his into his career, and he just makes some of these, these guys look bad. Yeah, his, his like eyes, really bad. you can see his eyes light up when he gets those, those matchups. It was very fun to watch. And, you know, Houston's team overall is really young. So uh, even though they came out firing on all cylinders and they had a bunch of energy and everything, you know, you kind of saw where the inexperience came in towards the end of the game. They were missing a bunch of free throws and, uh, you know, not taking really good shots. And that's where the experience part comes in for it. So it was fun to kind of see that, you know, even though this team hasn't made as many changes as we'd probably like we probably want them to. Uh, it was fun to kind of see, like, you know, them versus, you know, this well-seasoned team versus a team that's still young and inexperienced and how that made a difference at the end of the game. So, uh, all right, one more speaker here, and then we're going to get out of here. Vic, what's up, man? Hey, third time's a charm. Appreciate it. How you guys doing? Doing great, man. Just uh, just enjoying this nice Wednesday. It's real nice when uh, you know when the Mavs get a win and we get to come on and recap it. And it feels much better than opening night. I'll tell you that. No matter how painful the win is, the win is still a win. I checked the dictionary. Yes, that's what it said. So we'll roll with that. Uh, no, hey, look, I, I was spamming the chat, and I just wanted to um, kind of get y'all's really broader term perspective. 
I, you know, it was really funny to hear that um, snippet from Coach Silas, Stephen Silas, there in Houston, talking about, yeah, you really don't see that too often where it's the same team for three years. And, you know, it hurt to hear, right, because we've all been on this roller coaster and expecting changes and not seeing it. But I, I just feel like we have to keep in mind that, yeah, while we're all – you know, to some degree tired of seeing the same team. Um, a lot of the sins of the father is what Jason Kidd, uh, Nico Harrison, what they're dealing with. So I'm trying to keep that in mind and say, you know, the things that are obvious to us, because we literally have reps of seeing Dwight Powell be horrible. You know, and again, he's not horrible. He's just not in a great role for what his skill set is, right? So that's not been Jason Kidd's experience or Nico's experience, right? So they're going to have to, you know, get those reps in front of their own two eyes. And I just, you know, I think it seems like the league says, hey, 10 games is when you're at the place where you have enough of a data subset to make some moves with. So I'm just trying to kind of stay sane, I guess, in the – hysteria of oh my gosh at the you know as we see another squandered pass or whatever from the same guys it's like well all right to some extent you gotta let these this new regime have time to see it and then make the adjustments from there but it's been a long three games already it feels right right so I'm like man seven more but I'm hoping that's the right perspective and then you know who knows maybe these guys will make you know, some of the moves you guys mentioned already to just correct it. I, I don't think they're just going to sit idly by with Igor Kokoshkov and, you know, the rap sheet of uh, Sean Sweeney and just, you know, these basketball minds, they, they see this too, but I just, I think there's a certain sequence of things and we just have to be patient, but patience not fun. So, you know, it, it's tough, but I don't know. I just wanted to see what you guys thought about that, if that's how you're kind of seeing it too, or if you feel I'm off the base there. That That's exactly how I feel, Vic. And I think uh, – I don't think I could have worded it any better than what you could have there. appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us. Uh, I, I do think it's a patience thing. And I, I like the I like the analogy you used there, the, you know, the sins of their fathers <laughs> I, I, or the father. You know, I, I think that's a, a good way to put it. Now, we can have a separate debate on whether, you know, the the father is Donnie Nelson or Rick Carlisle or if the father is actually still in charge, you know, Mark Cuban. And <laughs> that, that's a completely separate debate. But, you know, I, I do agree with that. It's one of those things where it is going to take a little bit of time, even though, you know, for us, having watched this basically same exact team, uh, for the most part, over the last three years, it is new for Jason Kidd, and it is new for uh, Nico Harrison. And Nico Harrison, he's still getting his feet wet. He, you know, he was hired less than two months before free agency. We haven't seen him at the trade deadline or anything like that. So, I like to think that he's, you know, actually sitting back and watching this team right now and making notes and like, okay, well, maybe this is what we need here. This is what we need there. And you know, we'll see what happens as the season progresses. I think. I have confidence in Nico. Matt doesn't have as much confidence in him as I do just because he's so new at the 
at the job, but I think he's smart and I think he knows basketball and I think he'll, you know, assess this roster and uh, make the necessary changes when those opportunities present themselves. So um, I, I'm with you, Vic. I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very optimistic about where this is going. Uh, but, you know, it, it is hard to be patient, you know, especially when, you know, you're on Twitter uh, live tweeting games and keeping up with everybody's takes and, you know, you're doing at least one podcast a week and, you know, it's easy to overreact to stuff, especially from a fan perspective. Uh, but, you know, I, I agree that patience is key here. Yeah. I mean, I would preach patience, patience as well. I obviously don't, as you mentioned, have as much confidence in Nico, but I don't, I don't think my confidence in Nico necessarily matters either <laughs> because um, he can make all the suggestions he wants, but there's one person that makes the decisions to change the roster, and his name's Mark Cuban. So I, I, I do have more faith in the coaching staff that Kid put together. I don't necessarily have the faith in Kid as much as I do in the other coaches that he hired to sort of diagnose what's going on and figure things out. and, and um, yeah, I mean, look, we're three games into the season, and it's it's kind of hard to tell one way or the other which direction this thing's going to go until you get to about the, you know, game 20, 21, 22, around that area. And you can kind of start to see the trends and which, you know, what's happening and what's going in what direction. So, Well, and um, look, the, the Mavs have a couple of things going for them this season versus last. One – They've gotten off to a better start. They're two and one. They started out last year two and four, I believe. Uh, you, they don't have near as many back to backs as what they did. You know, the season is stretched back out to eighty-two games. They're kind of getting back to their normal schedule with things, so that's going to help a bunch too. Having the extra rest days throughout the season, it's more games, but they they have more time in between games, and I think that helps this Mavs team a lot. And then. One of the other things is, you know, and I'm not saying it can't happen. I, I'm not saying it can't happen even if, you know, the majority of the players are vaccinated and everything like that. But, you know, for, uh, statistics show, you know, if, if you are, then then you're not going to have as many instances like what the Mavs had last year with a bunch of guys missing time due to COVID and all that stuff. So that was a big part of last season and how the team's uh, end result record ended up being was because of how many games players missed. And uh, I think pretty much everyone on the team uh, has has gotten that done except for Trey Burke. So I, I don't anticipate that being an issue this year for them, and I think that's another thing that's going to work in their favor because the Mavs ended up as the fifth seed last year, and that was, you know, despite having all the back-to-backs and three weeks where they – missed a bunch of players and had to get them back in game shape and everything. So I'm really, I'm really encouraged by that. Uh, Like we said, patience is key. And I want to make this note before we head off, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the conversion of people who listen to this podcast versus who, you know, interact with me, who interacts with me on Twitter or just follows me on Twitter and all that is. But I mean, I think we need to lighten up a little bit. I'm not one to tell somebody how to fan, you know, be a fan, be passionate, be optimistic, pessimist, pessimistic, whatever you want to be, you know, I don't care, do what you want to do. But 
I think people are being too sensitive right now on both sides. You know, if, if you say something, if you take a Jason Kidd quote and you make a joke like I did the other day, you have people like, oh, come on, man, stop being negative. Stop making a joke about, about this. Give Jason Kidd a chance. And, I mean, I'm having to clarify myself. <laughs> almost you basically day. made a meme. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I basically had to go and clarify, like, y'all, I'm rooting for Jason Kidd. I mean, what are y'all even thinking here? If you're a Mavs fan, if you're a Luka fan, you know, if, if anything related to the Mavs, if you're, you know, a fan and rooting for them to succeed, you have to root for Jason Kidd. But, I mean, there's stuff that was meant to be taken lightly, and I do think there's a line that doesn't need to be crossed as far as, you know, being too negative and harping on every single thing Kid says, but I think it's okay to have some fun, too, because, I mean, the Mavs themselves, they've had fun with it. At Jason Kidd's, you know, initial press conference, they had him holding up a, <laughs> a clipboard that said, give it to Luca." I mean, come on. <laughs> that was meant to be taken lightly and meant for people to have fun with. But uh, like I said, it's on both sides. You have a bunch of people and not really, I mean, there are some with the Mavs community, but really the NBA overall, there's a lot of people that are just rooting against kid daily and just like going out of their way to try and drag everything he does through the mud. I don't agree with that. And then, you know, there's some people that, you know, that are really optimistic about it. And then if they see anything that's even, can be considered as a jab or something. They're, they're getting upset about that too. So I just wanted to say that. Uh, I, I think people are, are taking things a little bit too far on both sides. And I mean, it, it really needs to, we really need to just give it a couple of weeks and, you know, let it all settle and it'll be fine. Well, for, for the anti Jason kid people like myself, I think that the, the one thing that everybody has to keep in mind here and you, you kind of touched on it there. Jason Kidd is the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks, and that is not going to change until at least the end of this season. So like it or not, whatever you think about him, it doesn't matter. He's the head coach, and if you want the Mavericks to win, you need him to do well, and you need him to do his job well. So get over it. Right. I mean, if, if the, the team being successful – and, you know, not having a doomsday scenario <laughs> with with Luca and, and whatever going forward, you know, that, that kind of – I don't want to say it's the end-all, be-all or whatever, but I, it does play a big part with how Jason Kidd performs as a head coach. And, I mean, I like we said, the first game was a train wreck. You don't want to start out a brand-new season like that after the optimistic – off season they had and the signs, the good signs they showed in preseason. But when you do start out that way, it brings on a lot, a lot more negativity. But we've seen positive progression in these last two games, and I think it'll continue, you know, as we move forward. So, Matt, anything else? No, I think I'm just about to watch the trailer for Tiger King two and go to lunch. <laughs> oh no, Tiger King two. Well, I, I say, oh no, I'll end up watching that. I'm sad, man. Ted Lasso is is that the the season is over, the second season, and now I have to wait for however much longer until the new one. Oh, on this subject, before we get out of here, everybody go watch Yellowstone. It's the best show on TV. The new season starts in two weeks, so you can binge all three seasons and then get to the fourth season on November 7th. Do it. You will thank me later. 
It is very good. I, I've enjoyed. I've only a few episodes in, but uh, I do enjoy me some Yellowstone. But all right, guys. Again, be sure to go like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, you can find Matt and myself on Twitter at Dalton underscore Trig and at Matt underscore Galatson. If you want to, you know, continue to ask us questions and just interact with us on there, be sure to do that. And go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts for a chance to win a T-shirt. And we appreciate it, guys. Uh, we like coming on here and, and doing these. I, I kind of like doing the, the day after stuff instead of right after the game because it gives you a chance to really digest what happened a little bit better. So we'll definitely continue to do this going forward. And we appreciate it. Y'all have a great rest of your week. And we'll probably see you sometime this weekend. Y'all have a good one. Let me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute.